Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right. Happy UAP Day. We're back. It's Stephen Dina right here. Karen Curtis over here, over there. And welcome to episode 29 of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. I how time flies. Yeah. We have missing time. I think we do have missing time. We just keep going and going, and we're happy that you are enjoying it because if you've enjoyed all the other episodes, we really think you're going to like this two-part series. Yes, that's right. We're back with another two-part series. We've done them before with with an ancient, uh, ancient alien two-parter, with Secrets of the Moon two-parter. Edgar Casey was a two-parter. Oh, man. So here's another two-part series, which is going to be whistleblowers and we're going to start off today with probably the most famous whistleblower and we're going to dedicate all of part one to this guy right here bob lazar yeah he's amazing he's and you know what he doesn't do any of this for money no he doesn't want any attention you know he was on joe rogan he he paid for his own plane ticket to go on joe rogan's show so yeah you know this guy isn't getting anything out of it other than he's just telling you and what, what he's experienced. We had no choice but to use some of the clips because, uh, to be honest, a lot of the stuff that you're going to hear Bob Lazar talking is from the episode where he was with Joe Rogan on his podcast. But yeah, I tried to get Bob Lazar to come on the happening. show with us, and he just doesn't want the attention. And he's made it public before that he hates interviews. He hates being on shows. He hates talking to people. But, you know, I guess he wanted to do his thing there. He makes some exceptions. We were not one of the exceptions. But yep. in order to get the sound that we need from him, we had to find a previous interview. So that's that's what we had to do. But And here's what he sounds like yeah. about that topic. I don't take any money from this stuff. And as far as attention, I hate fuck attention. Yeah, well, I don't like being on shows. I just want to kind of hide in the corner and do my own thing. So that's I got enough hugs when I was a kid. Okay, I don't need any attention. Well, there you go. I need a hug. <laughs> yeah, so not like we're trying to, you know, repeat an episode of Joe Rogan's podcast no, no, or anything. No, no. It's just he had a lot of good stuff from there and we want to we want to cover it for you. Um, and talk about the exploits of Bob Lazar and if you don't know who that is yet, you're about to find out. But before we get into that, Karen what is our factoid for today? Actually, Stephen, it's nine things we learned about aliens in 2021. Ah, so I have a feeling this has an ulterior, uh, an ulterior motive to it. Yes, because we had promised you <laughs> yeah, that we well. were going to start a little uh, side podcast that would... What's it called? I guess compliments what we do here yeah. for UAP. Yeah. Yeah, it was well, going to be called... Well, well, it is called uh, the UAP uh, Alien Updates. 
and we, it was going to drop on yes. Tuesday. The first one was supposed to be this past Tuesday. Unfortunately, I got the crud, <laughs> and I wasn't allowed anywhere near the building. So for it the wasn't past the few vid; days. it was the crud. It was the crud, oh, not goody. the vid. Yay. I was negative for the vid, positive for the crud. Well, plus you moved, so you were exhausted. It was a lot going on the past few days. So, and I love how you have a tin roof on your house now, so you can tune in alien sound. That's correct. I do. It's a steel roof. It's a steel roof. Yes, Excuse me. That's okay. So, but I, it was, uh, we kind of overpromised and underdelivered. I'm sorry. I did not expect <laughs> to get sick. And um, unfortunately, we missed that first little drop of the UAP alien update. So, we will have that for you this upcoming Tuesday. The it first will drop episode on Tuesday. That. And it's kind of a featurette. It's going to be a quick thing. We're going to update you on some of the most recent topics, some of the most recent sightings or news having to do with aliens. And the first one is going to be about, well, we have actually nine of them, but what is the first one going to be about? Well, yeah, we're going to talk about, we'll outline, I'm going to tell you what the nine things are we learned about aliens in 2021, and then on this little tidbit podcast, we're we're going to delve into more what each one of these means. But the first one also we're going to talk about, there's something out in space making some crazy noise on radios. Some radio signals coming in. 4,000 light years away, but we're picking it up. I don't know. Yeah, so we'll get into that. But here we go. Number one, here's the nine things we learned about aliens in 2021. Number one, UFOs are real and the government knows it. And that's why we're doing this podcast. That's true. That's why it started at all. And that's why we're going to make that our first one on Tuesday for the UAP alien update. Yeah. And so just uh, the government, what, when was it they came out? And said that they were real last year. Yeah, it was uh, last summer. It was yeah. summer of 21. And then UAP, the podcast, was born. That's right. Number two, black <laughs> holes could be alien powerhouses. Okay. What's really weird is there was a black hole that showed star formation, and usually black holes rip stars apart. So oh. I don't know. It's very strange. Hmm. And number three is alien planets may look nothing like Earth. Okay. That makes sense. Number four, one of Saturn's moons may still hold the potential for life. I like that. That'll be number four. Four weeks, okay. Number five, scientists may be ignoring alien junk in our own solar system. I think they are. Yes. There's some weird stuff floating around out there. We'll talk about that in five weeks. Yep. (laughs) Number six, thousands of alien worlds could have watched humans grow up. I believe it. They saw little Steven Diener when he was three. (laughs) That's right. Sucking his thumb. <laughs> Number seven, there's no best way to communicate with aliens. I thought they communicated telepathically, but we'll find out. That's what they say. Number eight, our own technology might be getting in the way, you think? Mm, and we actually cover that a little bit in this two-part series. Yes. And number nine, the nine things we learned about aliens in 2021, alien abductions could be lucid dreams. And oh, we've talked about that a little yeah. bit before about sleep paralysis. Yeah. Maybe controversial there on the final one we're going to do. But even after that nine-part series there, we're going to come back every Tuesday with the UAP alien update. But we'll run down those nine things yes. in order over the next nine weeks, starting this upcoming Tuesday, yeah. actually, which will be February 1st. Yay. And we'll explain each of these nine things that we learned about aliens uh, in that upcoming mini-podcast, plus the latest latest alien sightings and news. Yes. So now to the topic of the day. Bob Lazar claims to have been hired in the late 1980s to reverse engineer extraterrestrial technology. And this is really interesting because they wouldn't always show him all the stuff they found. They would just show him little components of it because no one was allowed to know everything that was going on. So he says. Right. So just, I guess, a, a background on him. Uh, he was actually born in Coral Gables. Oh, really? Albasar. He's a Miami boy. He is. And he claims that he worked at a secret off-site 
like an off-site uh, site, basically, an off-site base from Area 51 called S-4, uh-huh. is what he yeah, says he first called. S-4. So, he's, uh, actually, he was born in 59. He's 63. That's right. So he... Um, he is born January 26th, oh, yesterday. How about that? It was his birthday. Yes. We are recording this uh, as now on the 27th. So if you're listening... Happy birthday, Bob Lazar. There you go. A nice coincidence there. So now he's 64. Um, but if you're... Basically, Bob Lazar, in a nutshell, was a mechanical engineer. He's a scientist. He's in biology and chemistry and all these things. And just met the right people along the way, along through his career. And gets mixed up and says, hey, uh, we want to hire you to basically do some reverse engineering for the government. So this wasn't anything that he set out to do. Right. It landed in his lap. And by the way, he's, he's a really smart dude. He is. But in this interview, he comes off really like an airhead. Like he's got a problem with putting stringing two thoughts together. Yeah, apparently it was said that he had a migraine when he did this interview with some of the clips that you're going to hear. Um, that, that's what he claimed. So now the thing with Bob Lazar, before we get into some of his clips, was he's in there, right? So he, in the late 80s, he gets hired, supposedly, according to his story, and he basically ends up going to work on one of nine alien aircraft to try to reverse engineer some of this technology. He says that after he got out, he worked there for about six months or so, and then after he got out, he ends up doing this interview in 1989 with a Las Vegas TV station. And at that point, he wasn't willing to kind of go on the record. So he was using a pseudonym named Dennis. (laughs) And his face was hidden, and he discussed his employment at S-4, which again was, uh, he says it was near Nellis Air Force Base, uh, you know, which is what we call Area 51. He claims... Adjacent to Papoose Lake. Exactly. You know the area. And he says, he says basically that the, the... these, this base is located in hangars built into a mountainside, which we've heard before, if we go back to one right. of our first episodes, the Dulce Base in New Mexico. So there's no one that's actually seen S-4? Correct. Other than Bob Lazar, who says it's by Papoose Lake? Right, because if you remember our guy Philip Schneider, which right. I think was episode, what, four or five or six, I don't remember anymore, with the Dulce Base, he was the engineer working in the late 70s, it, building into, drilling into mountains. Right. And he didn't know why. They just said, hey, you have to, here's the specs, build it in this mountain. Okay. So Bob Lazar's claims kind of match that of Philip Schneider that there are these bases built into mountains out there in, in the desert lands of the United States. So basically, Bob Lazar's deal was after he got out, he does these interviews, then he ends up becoming famous because he's now open. He says, my name is Bob Lazar, and I worked at this secret location called S4, and aliens are real, and they have bodies, and they have ships, and I worked on one. And so after that, over really the past 30 years, he's become this kind of famous whistleblower that people want to talk to and get information from because he's gone on the record as saying, yes, these things are real, and I've worked on them. It's kind of interesting because you say on the record and when he went on television as Dennis and told his story, what he didn't know then and he knows now is that sometimes the government would give false information and and like intersprinkle and mingle it with the real thing. So when if that person was a whistleblower and that information came out, they knew who it was. In real life, it wasn't Dennis. They know that's Bob Lazar because Bob Lazar is the only one we gave this false information to. That's right. He touches on that where he says they kind of put in some dummy things. So they debrief him. 
Yes. You know, when, when you go to work at these secret installations, you get debriefed on what you're about to do. It's a need-to-know basis, so they're only going to tell you exactly what you need to know. They don't want you asking questions. If you see an alien walking in the hall, you're not supposed to touch him <laughs> or ask him his name. You just go about your day and do what you've been hired to do. And that's really what, you know, it's kind of how he describes it. So in these debriefs, apparently, according to him, they put in some dummy briefs in there. So they, like you said, Karen, can track in case you come out even with a pseudonym and say, ah, that's that's like a, it's like a fingerprint. He didn't really know what was real and what wasn't, but right. then there was stuff that he had hands-on experience with that he just couldn't explain away. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So uh, he claimed that the site, you know, uh, S4, yes. uh, consisted of con- concealed aircraft hangars built into the mountainside, as you said. And so he started reverse engineering one of nine flying saucers. And here he is with Joe Rogan explaining his experience when he first saw the one saucer. They had nine, nine craft altogether. I only got hands-on with one of them, so I can't really say what the uh, how the others operated did but, you see the other ones yeah at one time and only one time the bay doors that between the hangars were all open and i could see all the way through and were they all exactly the same no they were all different different shapes yeah but they were all from somewhere else yeah absolutely you know when we talk about different shapes there's the pill shape right. the triangle uh, the saucer, all different kinds of shapes of UFOs have been reportedly sighted. Yeah, he even talked about, and, and glad you say that, Karen, because the one that started it all, for us anyway, was the reason why the government admitted to the existence of UFOs was the tic-tac-shaped UFO from the USS Nimitz in 2004. That's tic tac shape. excuse me, I said the pill shape. No, it's, it's about the same thing. They call it the pill too, so it's all right. Okay. So, but that's really what kind of opened up the door to the government to have this disclosure to to begin with. Was that 2004 Nimitz Tic Tac UFO, as they call it, because the video went everywhere. It was a famous video. It was from a credible source. It was from the camera of fighter pilots. They were chasing it. They saying, "What the heck is this thing? We can't keep up with it." And then you see it splash down into the water. So we hear about cigar shapes, the Tic Tac. We hear about the classic disc shape. The triangles, of course. We've talked about the triangles with the lights over Phoenix. So he actually described one. I've heard of a bell shape before. Oh, yeah. I've heard of the bell, which maybe we'll get into a different time. The Germans time. had something to do with exactly. that. Exactly. So we might get into that on, on a different episode. But one of the things that he mentioned, too, that I, I don't think we, we grabbed the sound of him saying it, but I, I can just relate it. 
He said one looked like a jello mold. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. He said that uh, all the edges were kind of like blobbed in together. And yeah. It was really weird. So think about kind of like a classic jello mold. Yeah. And he said a UFO, one of the UFOs that was in this hangar, according to him, had that type of shape. Huh. So it makes you wonder, you know, why do they have all these different types of shapes for their aircraft? It's, I... <laughs> it is weird. Well, because as we said last week, or yeah, uh, that there's different types of aliens and maybe they have different types of ships different races i guess oh dear oh dear well (laughs) so lazar claimed that this unit that he studied that the propulsion the propulsion of this unit right it ran on an anti-matter reactor sure did and was fueled by the chemical element with an atomic number of 115 right and here's the thing about that okay at the time that they were looking at atomic number 115 element, I guess it's element 115, it was provisionally named, I'm going to try to say this, Ununpentium. Un- okay. Did they put this on the elemental chart? chart? They ended up putting it on later. So oh, okay. it's, it's important to note this because it had not been artificially created at the time that Bob Lazar was working on it. So this was not... A thing on the periodic table, but he says it's the key to what they were using to have their antimatter reactor work. It was working off this this E one fifteen. Oh, I think it was synthesized in two thousand three and later right. named Muscovium. Exactly. So now he went on to say that the propulsion system relied on a stable isotope okay. of element one fifteen. Now, even though it has been artificially synthesized in two thousand three. It has not been made into a stable isotope yet. It's still very unstable. It basically implodes on itself within milliseconds. Oh, dear. So we still, almost 20 years later, after artificially synthesizing this thing, you know, 15 years after Bob Lazar was working on it, that we still cannot make it a stable isotope the way that he was working on it, which is what made this antimatter reactor work. I know this all sounds nuts. No, it doesn't. But that's what he described. But it also allegedly generates a gravity wave that allows a vehicle to fly and to evade visual detection by bending light around it, which we know light bends because Albert Einstein right. and the eclipse proved that. Uh, and it's also important to note that this element did not exist yet when Lazar discovered it, as you said, back in the right. 1980s. And here he is with Joe Rogan again explaining this gravity reactor that he worked with. And it was in the demonstration of the reactor working where it caught my attention to where this is technology that doesn't even exist. Uh, this was a small reactor about the size of a hemisphere, about the size of a basketball on a metal plate. And when it was running, it produced a gravitational field, a gravitational field of its own. Now, this is something that we can't do. We can't produce any gravity. The only way we get gravity is from large quantities of mass. But there's no machine we can have that turns on that makes gravity. Like, uh, you know, you can turn on an electromagnet and it makes a magnetic field. We can't make a gravitational field. Anyway, this device was producing that. And Barry said, almost like he was bragging, go ahead, try and try and touch the sphere. And I, I couldn't. It, it pushed my hands away, just like two light poles of a magnet. And that immediately caught my attention, going, wow, this is something else. Now, I forgot to mention there, uh, you were going to hear the name Barry, so you're probably wondering who That's the heck his is new Barry. Partner. That was his lab partner, basically. Yeah. They were, you know, scientists always have lab partners. You work on the project together. So that was that was his buddy. They were working on that reactor and trying to reverse engineer all the technology together on that uh, particular ship that, that he was working on. Um, and it's just, it's, it's 
unbelievable because it matches to me everything that I've always personally theorized on how different uh, cultures or races of aliens are able to travel and how they're able to move through far, far distances, light years apart and make it over here. Because there's two options. There's either wormholes or there's that antimatter technology, which allows you to move at incredible speeds and have this anti-gravity type of, you know, uh, outcome to it. And if that's what he says they're working on, it, it matches my own theory. So that's why I feel like, you know, to me, Bob Lazar, my opinion, you make your own opinion. That's what we're all about here. We we don't want to come on here and be preachy. We give you what the information and you make your own you make up your own mind. That's what we've always been about. My opinion on Bob Lazar is that he's the real deal. That's just what I think about him when you watch interviews of him, when you watch different documentaries, because he's been covered extensively. So I'll be the first to admit we're not the first ones to talk about Bob Lazar here today, okay? But I just he, to me he's fascinating to me because he goes into great detail about what he did and what he saw, and he explains minutia things. Yes. You know, it's not just like, oh, hey, I saw this, believe it or not. Yeah, I actually saw this. No, he goes into detail in his stories, as you can hear there. He's not bragging. No. He's, he's just telling you what he saw or uncovered. And he, and he paints a picture. So he's either an incredible pathological liar, <laughs> or, and that's possible, I guess, yeah, right? right, right. Or... He's recalling something that happened to him and and it has stuck with him over the years because, my gosh, how could you forget something like that? It's otherworldly. Yeah. Also talk about the other documents that he had a briefing on. He describes yes. historical involvement of the Earth for the past 10,000 years with extraterrestrial beings, the greys, That's from right. a planet orbiting the twin binary star. The star system Zeta Reticuli. So... This is why this caught my attention right away. Not because it's such an out, you know an outstanding claim; it's a fantastical claim, but two reasons. Number one, when he talks about having in the brief that he read documents describing historical involvement or aliens, their historical involvement on Earth for the past ten thousand years. That's my first highlight. Because we always talk about what? Ancient aliens, right? It's a popular show on the History Channel. You got the crazy hair guy, Giorgio Tsoukalos there. It's aliens, man. Love him. You know, he's the best. So with that, that's the first thing that pops off the page to me when I read about what he says he read in his briefs because that would match everything we've spoken about. Even going back to Edgar Cayce, where Edgar Cayce, when we did that two-part episode, where he talked about the Atlanteans. Right. Okay, and that's about 10,000 years ago. So when you look at the, uh, the, the Edgar Casey timeline, which if you want to catch up on that, 850WFTL.com, search out UAP on the podcast, you go to the blog page, and you can look at the different things we had on there going back to that episode. It's funny how almost all of our episodes have a thread that con- always. connects something to the other, which actually adds to the validity of everything. Exactly. There's so much homogeny. Is that and, a word? I think it is, and if it's not, it is now. <laughs> and I will fully admit, Karen, we don't try to do that. No! We don't set out every week to say, hey, let's try to connect this episode 29 to episode 6 and then connect it to episode 25 and they all intertwine. No, it's just like you said, because there's so many different pathways and there's different people at different points in time over spanning thousands of years yes. who come to the same conclusions. Right. And so it ends up just <sighs> kind of intertwining through different episodes. And that's what's 
then what, what the most striking thing to me about doing this podcast so far has been that. Yes. That we find these different coincidences. Re- repetition of, uh, of stuff. And because, and actually, that goes to the second thing for me, which is the twin binary star system, the Zeta Reticuli. We go back to our episode about Betty and Barney Hill. That's right. She talked about, in 1961... She drew it. She drew the star system. <laughs> she drew the damn star system. We have that up, actually, uh, at our, our blog post yes. for UAP podcast uh, under A50WFTL.com. You have to check that out. And that's She going, drew it. She drew the picture, and you can see the picture, like Karen said, and that's going way back oh, God. when we talked about alien encounters. She's and, not an astronomer. No, the alien abductions, and that is probably one of the more famous alien abductions, 1961. They were just normal, you know, kind of your everyday New Hampshire people. Yes. And there were, so she says the Greys took her there, right? Right. Yeah. She says the Greys took her and Barney Hill, their husband and wife, and, you know, they were abducted, just to quickly touch on that because we mentioned them, and they were a famous abduction case because they had so much validity and so many things that you could not explain to this day. Over 60 years later, that people can't explain about that case. One of them being that she said the aliens told her they were from the binary star system of Zeta Reticuli. And they showed her the map. And then she drew it under hypnosis. Wow. And she's not an astronomer. And she drew it in a way that would match, okay, that would match how you would see it from that star system, not how you would see it from Earth. <gasps> Whoa. It was a mirror image. So, yeah, and who knows about binary stars? Right. Well, actually, Bob Lazar does. Here's what he has to say about uh, Zeta Reticuli. There was some paperwork that indicated that this was from the Zeta Reticuli star system. Now, right. how they obtained that, I haven't the slightest idea, but it wasn't just from the Zeta Reticuli star system. It was what they called ZR3. So it was a third planet in that star system. So there was no other information about it other than that's supposedly where the craft came from. Now, is that true? I don't know. I have no way of verifying that. But that was printed in the same materials that referenced the reactor. Now, I looked that stuff up when I went home. And uh, Zeta Reticuli is a binary star two stars that orbit one another, and it's only visible in the southern hemisphere, and it's about 30-some-odd light years away. So that's literally all the information I have about that. I don't know how they found out it came from there. So just to point out, mm-hmm. you can only see Zeta Reticuli from the southern hemisphere, so right. she would have no idea. She's never seen it before That's a good <laughs> in the point. sky. Right, because they lived in New Hampshire. That's right. a good point. And secondly, you hear him saying, I'm not sure it's true. That goes back to, it harkens back to what we were saying about he's not sure if they're giving him misinformation so they can uncover who, who blabbed right. or if it's real. Right. And if it was the real information that he read in that debrief about the Zeta Reticuli star system, then again, that matches what Betty Hill was told 25 years before uh, Bob Lazar read that debrief. So it just it's amazing how these things kind of connect and how you can go back and say, wait, you have corroborating evidence. If you're talking about a crime scene, this would be corroborating evidence. Right. I mean, I think that's a good way to put it. You would, you would have something that you could point to and say, hey, that looks like it's true because it's also being shown and said over here and these two things didn't relate to each other. So A plus B equals C, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, that's the way I see it. I mean, I, I could be way off base here, but that's that's my opinion on that.
Um, also, what's weird is that, and I apologize, I didn't get this sound, so That's you right. can just fill us in. Uh, he says that the seats at the saucer right. that he saw were child size. So, you know, we talked about giants last week. Right. And I think, you know, people on Earth used to be like really, really, really big. And um, they kind of figured out they, whoever they are, God or aliens to how to make us one size so we could have the same size buildings <laughs> but these were child size and he said he saw cadavers of a corresponding size yeah so it was pretty interesting he, he kind of goes into he went into the ships a couple of times and i can describe what he saw because i, I listened um to, to his answers and it kind of stuck with me so what he saw basically was number one the seats that you said he said they resembled child car seats like you would have if anybody had like a, a booster seat in a car yeah, seat, huh? pretty much. You know, like you would have your little kid sit in the back of the of your van or your car or whatever. And he said that's what their pilot seats, so to speak, looked like. Oh, the pilots were little kids. So that's why it's it um very talented kids. But that's why it, it struck me because that goes back to the description of the gray aliens always being three to four feet tall. Oh, they're right? smaller. Right. So we've always heard that when it comes to some of these abduction cases or descriptions of the gray aliens, that they're the, they're small. And they have the long limbs, the long fingers, the big bulging eyes. Do they have the three fingers? Uh, sometimes it's four. <laughs> <laughs> so it, just, it just depends. If on a good day, they might have four. But it's... So what happens when they turn five? I'm this many. Oops. Yes, Right. So it's it was interesting to me when he talked about the size of the seats because that matches the descriptions we've always heard. And he says about the cadavers as well that, um, you know, again, three to four feet even matches what they've said about the supposed, the supposed autopsy video yes. from, from Roswell where it's, you know, that bloated alien and it looked three to four feet. But they say that was a hoax video. I still don't know what to make of that one. See, we don't know. We don't, we don't know. know. That's why they put they put fake and real stuff in there. So there's never any way you can put your thumb right on anything in particular. And this guy Lazar is no dummy. He went to MIT. He had a master's degree. He has. He's still alive. Yes. In physics from that's MIT. Right. Well, here's the thing about that, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a second because that's 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 a whole different story when it comes to his degrees and everything. Because what going back to the ship and what he saw, he also talks about. Basically, everything was seamless. So you know, it reminded me, actually, of when we talk about places like uh, Pumapunku. Yes. Where you can't fit like a piece of paper in between the, the, the mortar because everything was so almost seamless. Yes. And he said that's the way, when he was describing it, I thought of that. And he said that's the way a lot of this, I guess, architecture was done in these ships where it was basically... He said it wasn't stainless steel, but that's the closest thing he can compare to it. Okay, so he doesn't know what the alloy was. Right. He said, but that's the closest thing. He said it was cold to the touch, um, and it was all just this gray color. But he said it struck me because there's no bathrooms, is the way he described it. Huh. No bathrooms. Everything was well, seamlessly that put together. Well, they don't have any sex organs or anything either. Right. I mean, you would think if you're traveling across space, you're going to need a bathroom break at some point. <laughs> so I don't know, but he said everything was just... Very plain, very simple. There's no art. There's no color. It's just gray. It's just steel. Very odd. Well, I would hate it because if there's an empty space on my wall, I have to put a painting on it. Right. Well, apparently... I'm an artist. I guess what that tells us is that aliens aren't very big on art. But 
he talked about a transparent archway as well. Like this archway oh. would turn transparent. You could see through it to down the hall in the ship. Cool. So pretty odd descriptions in there. It's, you know, pretty, uh, I guess, not a lot of controls, just some controls. So, you know, that leads us maybe to believe that. Maybe humans overthink everything. Maybe. I mean, maybe they're controlling these ships with their minds. I don't know. You know, I mean, look. Well, that's where we're headed with Meta because everything's uh, now in our head. It's virtual. And virtual. I mean, look at what Elon Musk is doing with his uh, Neuralink company. You know, right, it's, it's all putting virtual. A chip in your brain, and you're controlling things with your mind. So, so maybe they have art in their brain. Maybe I don't know, but that's that's how he described the ship. So huh. it was it was pretty intriguing um, how he kind of went into detail about that. But you did mention Karen his his education background, and I found this kind of. Uh, striking because he talks about well at least anyway was on record at some point as uh, having earned a master's degree in physics from MIT which is no easy task and a master's degree in electronic technology from the California Institute of Technology Caltech right two of the top schools in the world when it comes to that oh but <laughs> however mm. there are no records of Lazar ever attending either MIT or Caltech his supposed employment at Nellis Air Force Base, also known as Area 51 or S4, the subsidiary there, has also been discredited by skeptics. Hmm. They say that it never happened. <gasps> and the Air Force says, nope, this guy was never here. Now, Lazar alleges, and I tend to believe him because why wouldn't they do this, that his records have been erased. Yep. Mm -hmm. So my question to you, Karen, and to anyone listening, who do you believe? Do you believe these stories of Bob Lazar? Do you believe that he did go to MIT and to Caltech and he worked for, you know, Area 51 and the secret installation of S4 and worked for the Air Force and did all this reverse engineering? Or, and they, and they erased all the records because he came out and talked, because he went public, so they erased all of his records to try to discredit him and make him look like a crazy person, which that's what I'm going with. Or... Is he just an absolute loon and he's making it all up? <laughs> the Where mind, do you stand? The mind reels. Well, you know, I, I didn't really know about Bob Lazar. So when I watched the video of him, he is a bit spacey. And I don't know what's going on because he loses his train of thought very easily. And I, you said he had a migraine. I don't know. But yeah, that's what they say when he did that particular interview. He, he is a little bizarre. Well, Bob, there's no doubt about Bob that. Bob Lazar is bizarre. <laughs> so, again, you make up your own mind. That's what we do here. So, is he a credible whistleblower in your mind? Again, probably one of the more famous, if not the most famous whistleblower out there when it comes to aliens. And, well, that's Bob. That's the tale of Bob Lazar. He reminds me of the Phil guy that had his fingers Phil blown Phil Snyder, up. who's also dead. Yeah. Because he was, we think he was murdered. They found him with a piano wire around, around his, his neck. Like a marathon man yeah. murder. Anyway, it's so weird. It's all so weird. But Bob Lazar is still alive. Yes. So, but he doesn't like to be bothered, as you can hear from that clip we played. At the, yeah, he is. I don't take any money from this stuff. And as far as attention, I hate fuck attention. <laughs> I don't like being on shows. I just want to kind of hide in the corner and do my own thing. So that's, I got enough hugs when I was a kid. Okay. I don't need any attention.
So, right. well, sorry, Bob, we gave you attention today. Big hug. But hopefully everyone enjoyed happy it. Happy birthday. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, not a lot of pictures to go along with this one, but by all means, you can still go to 850WFTL.com. The podcast will be there along with all the other episodes. If you want to catch up on the previous 28 episodes, you can do that one at a time. It's all there. And also, of course, Apple and Spotify and wherever you get uh, your podcast, you can find it all there. Because until next time, when episode 30 will be Whistleblowers Part 2. Yes. Oh, some interesting stuff there. It's a good one, right? We have credible. I mean, you can say what you want about Bob Lazar. We have guys who worked in governments, defense secretaries, who say this stuff is real. Well, the government basically said last year it's real. So Pretty wild claims when you hear this next week in part two of our, of our whistleblower series. But until then, it's Karen Curtis there, Stephen Diener right here on the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for enjoying. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye.